Jesus' name, we thank you for um, we thank you for all things. Uh, thank you for your uh, your presence here uh, within us and among us. It's a remarkable thing to think that <clears throat> that Lord, every time we we gather together, uh, that you are in our midst, that you manifest your presence when your people are together in agreement, and and that when we open up your word and we we read your word, your spirit is there to to encourage us and strengthen us and give us understanding. And so, Father, we pray uh, that your word would accomplish what it's designed to today. We thank you that uh, though these words were written literally thousands of years ago, they are every bit as relevant in our lives today. These things are written for our understanding and as examples uh, for us uh, of your grace. And so we receive it now, and we ask you to speak by your spirit, and we thank you in advance in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Would you point at somebody, give a, throw a high five if they're family, and have a seat, please. So uh, <clears throat> they say that the three most important words or, uh, re- regarding real estate are location, location, and location. And I think that's true. And there are places of what I like to call covenant renewal in our lives, Uh, places where things took place that are reminders of God's goodness and God's faithfulness. And and you may have some of those particular things in your life. And the book of Joshua, as we conclude our study this morning, uh, we'll we'll get to the ninth memorial that's going to take place, or the or a stone memorial that takes place. And the purpose of it was to remind the people of God's faithfulness and 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 the movement of God in their life. And I've got a couple pictures of some things that are uh, <clears throat> that are memorials. That right there is uh, that's Malibu Beach. Woo! And um, that, that's the, the blue bench. And to, that may not mean anything to you, but it was 25 years ago, going on 26 years ago, that uh, Don Shelley and I went to dinner at the Chart House in Malibu Beach. And that's the bench that I uh, proposed to her. And it is a memorial to us. And so every 10 years or so, we try to get back to the beach uh, in that particular place, it's a it's a it's a stone a bench of memorial, and uh, there's another uh, memorial that we have as well. Yeah, that's mud pie, okay, and uh, that's a memorial for us because we got that uh, 25 years ago at the Chart House in in Malibu Beach. I'm happy to say that the Chart House at, uh, here in Las Vegas also has mud pie, but that's not a political advertisement. I'm just letting you know that, and so uh, that's a that's our 25th anniversary so we went to the chart house not at Malibu because it's not there anymore but we did have mud pie which was good enough for us memorials places of God's faithfulness places that are reminders of his loving kindness uh, there's a city in the in this chapter that we'll uh, read about called Shechem everybody say Shechem and it's a place of promise uh, Joshua is about to address the nation. This is his final sermon, and he's speaking to them from a very strategic place, the place of Shechem. Now, in order to begin our study this morning, we've got to go back to Genesis, and very interestingly, we're going to close in Genesis 2. 
Um, Genesis as well, I should say, not chapter 2. All right, Genesis chapter 12, verse 5, the name of Shechem comes up, and here's why it's so relevant. It says, <clears throat> when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram, he's not Abraham yet, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. In the book of Joshua, chapter 8, Shechem was near Mount Ebal, where Israel had rededicated themselves to the Lord uh, before entering or after entering into the promised land. And so once again, it's a bit of a strategic place and It just made me think about this, that sometimes the Lord takes us back to a place to remind us of his promise keeping to us. Sometimes God takes us back to a place to remind us of his faithfulness. Now, it's not that we make these places uh, idols or we begin to worship these places or, oh, I can't wait to get to so-and-so to meet the Lord again. No, no. We don't want that to take place, but it's a place of God's goodness. It's a place where God moved in our lives. And, and, and for some of us, those might be a little bit uh, unorthodox. Like it might be a place where God took you to that was the only place he could have took, take, taken you to that you may have listened to him and, 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 and received the word that he had for you. Can you say amen to that if, that, if that's you? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, ch- chapter 24, verse 1 says... Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and their heads and their judges and their officers, and they presented themselves before God. So, so God makes a promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 all the way into Joshua chapter 24. Where does Joshua take the people back? Back to Shechem. Okay, they've gone full circle. And in that, there have been a lot of transitions. I don't know about you, but I find that this life in Christ is filled with transitions. Uh, Going from something to something else. From one city to another city. From one move of God or one um, uh, experience where God moves in our lives uh, to something else. And, And how we handle those transitions says a lot about what we believe about God. Um, How we begin a new thing and how we transition into another thing, uh, those are really important. In the life of Moses, for example, uh, uh, Moses, you could summarize Moses' life by 40, 40, 40. You guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, He spent 40 years in Egypt, and then God transitioned transitioned him out of that into 40 years in the wilderness. And then he transitions from there back to Egypt to lead the children of Israel out of bondage uh, uh, into the promised land for another 40 years that they end up wandering in the wilderness. The life of King David is a series of transitions. 
He goes from shepherding sheep in the pastures to being anointed as king to going back to shepherding sheep in the pastures to delivering supplies to his brothers who were at battle because he's too young to go to war and plus someone's got to take care of the sheep to being thrust into the national limelight when a big uh, a, a man called Goliath defied the armies of the living God. And of course, you know the story. He slays him with, with, a, with a stone and his sword. And then he's, and then he's back to the sheep. And, and then he gets called to the palace. And it's, it's transition after transition. And as I was writing this down, I, I drew little arrows. And, and, and how we transition in those things are really important. David was the sweet psalmist of Israel because he handled his transition well, his transitions well. And he also was a man who was familiar with seclusion in those transitions. There were times when he was all by his lonesome as God was in the middle of doing something in his life. And sometimes I wrote this down that sometimes the journey feels like the back of a tapestry until you see the full picture in front. You've ever looked at a tapestry, you look at the back and it just is just a it's just a bunch of threads all over the place. Flip it over and there's a beautiful picture. So God is in the in in the in the business of of doing things and and painting this beautiful picture in our lives. And so this morning we're going to look back at the history of Israel. Um, Joshua gives them in chapter 24 verse 2 through 13 a history lesson. Verse 2 says this, and Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side uh, of the river in old times. They served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him through all throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. All right, notice a few things about verse 2. Joshua said to all the people, what does he say? What is The next thing is, thus says the Lord God of Israel. And so my question is, who's speaking right here? Oh, Joshua's voice is being heard, but the Lord is speaking. God is speaking through Joshua. And he's going to give a history lesson, and he's going to talk about what, may come, what might be to come as well. I once had an amazing opportunity to travel uh, in Europe. It was about six years ago uh, with a group of pastors and, and some spiritual leaders. And, and, and Dennis Prager, uh, a, 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 um, a conservative um, Jewish man who speaks on issues in America and speaks profoundly. Uh, he, he said this. He said, if you don't believe in God, just look at Israel. Because there is no reason that that nation should exist apart from God. Abraham and his family are on the other side. And they are worshiping idols. Do you ever wonder what makes Abraham so special? Like, why did God choose Abraham? There's legends uh, uh, of, of, of Abraham, even from his youth, uh, 
uh, smashing his father's idols. Those are just stories. We don't know if that's actually true or not. Those are legends, all right? But it turns out that, that, that Israel, their entire national identity was an act of God's grace. It turns out that Abraham didn't seek after God. There's no indication that he was. Uh, it was the Lord who sought out Abraham and, and chose through him to bring a blessing to all the world that one day our covenant representative Jesus would be born through this nation that God chose. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7 through 9 gives us a little bit of background about what makes Abraham and, and Israel so special. And he says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you <clears throat> because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers uh, that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant, covenant to love a thousand generations, uh, uh, to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. And so it turns out that, that there was nothing special about Abraham that God would go, now everybody knows Abraham is a man of faith. And a no, no, that, that, that's not the case according to what Deuteronomy tells us. And it reminds me of something that Jesus said. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. John fifteen sixteen. Believers were chosen from the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1, 4. And we're called God's elect in Romans 8, 33. Warren Wiersbe says this about God's divine election. One of my professors in seminary used to say, try to explain election and you may lose your mind, but explain it away and you may lose your soul. It's important for us to remember that our position before God has nothing to do with us and everything to do with God. Everything. Luke chapter 19, verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation, speaking to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. So the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's why I have the standing that I have before God, not because of me or because I figured it out or because I'm more righteous or more holy or, you know what, I'm good and you're not, not because of any of that, but solely because of God and because of his grace. Can you say amen to that if you've experienced that? I want you to notice the transitions as well. Remember? God taking us from here to there, from this place to that place. Verse 3 says, note the pronoun I. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land. of." Wait a minute, who's speaking here again? Just so we're sure with the context. Who's speaking? Yeah, the Lord is speaking. 
And he says, I took your father, Abraham, from the other side of the Jordan, led him through throughout all the land of Canaan. Verse 4, Esau, I gave Mount Seir. Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Verse 5, I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt. Afterwards, I brought you out. Verse 6, I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. Verse 7, from Egypt to the wilderness. Verse 8, then I brought you into the land of the Amorites who lived beyond the Jordan, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand. And you took possession of their land when I destroyed them before you. Verse 11, you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. Verse 12, I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. Also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with the sword or with the bow. Verse 13, I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards. Uh, and olive groves, which you did not plant. God is saying, I'm the one who's guiding. I'm the one who's leading. And I'm the one who's delivering. And he's saying to his people, listen, you didn't do this. You know, and Joshua, the Lord speaking, saying, remember, I'm the one who is doing all of this for you because of my loving kindness. And he says in verse 14, he says, now, therefore, because he's a good preacher. He says, therefore, now, I don't know what accent he had. Now, therefore, he says, number one, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. There you go. Serve the Lord. Verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord... Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. <laughs> Fear the Lord and serve him and put away the gods from beyond the river and from Egypt. Fear the Lord to be, that word means to be fearful, to be dreadful, to be feared, to cause astonishment and awe, to be held in awe, to inspire reverence or godly fear or awe, to reverence or awe a person, um, uh, uh, to reverence or awe a person that a person feels in the presence of greatness. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, Isaiah is in the presence of the Lord and, he, and, he's, and he's shaken to the core of his humanity and he says, Woe is me, for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That is, that's, that's that awe and that reverence that he, he had an encounter with the, 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 the presence or the holiness of God. And, and it shook him to the core. Um, you ever heard someone say, well, I'll tell you what, I can't wait to meet God and then I'm going to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, you, 
no, no, that's not how that works. No, it's not how that works. It's, it's the continual awareness that our Heavenly Father is watching and evaluating and, and in us and through us and around us. Those who fear the Lord have a continual or a constant awareness of Him, a reverence, a fear, um, and commitment to serve Him. It's, it's that, like, I don't compartmentalize my walk with Christ. I don't, I don't say, okay, Sunday morning, let's be reverent, and then, you know, Monday doesn't matter because we're at work. No, because... Because I fear the Lord, I, I honor and I respect and I have this sense of His presence no matter where I am or no matter what I'm doing. I don't, I don't filter my life based on where I am geographically, but who I am in Christ. And that affects every aspect of my life. Everything. It's not just this part or that part. It's all that I am and everything that I do. How I speak, what I listen to, how I respond to things, where I go, where I don't go, it affects everything because I live in his fear, in his reverence, and in his awe. Does that make sense? I think that's a, that's a good way to think about that. Sometimes, if you're like me, I... I I, I, I don't process the fact that, okay, God's here with me right now. This is probably not something I should be watching, doing, thinking about. I, uh, uh, that kind of reverence causes me to live a certain way in my life no matter where I am. I'm consistently fearing God and living my life based on that, if that makes sense, in a holy, reverent way. Well, Israel has seen his greatness. They've experienced the miraculous. These are real, bona fide, earth-shaking miracles that they have experienced and seen. And it's not something that someone else told them about. They saw it themselves. They know these things to be true. And, they, and now they've received the blessing of Abraham. And oh, it should be so easy to fear the Lord and to serve him right now, shouldn't it? Oh, man, you, this, is, this is as good as it gets. Like, why wouldn't you fear God? And why wouldn't you love God and serve him with everything within you after all that you've seen, right? Did I ask myself that same question sometimes? Like, why don't I? I mean, with all that I've seen and all that I've all that I know to be true, like, ah. Alan Redpath said this, the best test of sincerity is not always the open hostility of foes, for this often braces up the energies of combat, while at the same time it makes the path of duty clear. Still less is... Uh, is it at the hour of triumph over our foes when there's no temptation to rebel? The real test of our faithfulness to God 
is in most cases uh, in is in most cases is our power to continue steadfastly in one course of conduct when the excitement of conflict is removed and the enemies with which we have to contend are the insidious allurements of ease or custom amid the commonplace duties of life. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. In the mundane and in the normal and just the humdrum patterns of life is the real test of sincerity, he says. It's interesting. Joshua says that, um, uh, as for me and my house, he says, we'll, we'll serve the Lord. And he challenges the people. He says, fear God, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the false gods. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. So I wrote this down. It's not if you will serve, but choose whom you will serve. Oh, it's not if you will serve, but choose whom you will serve. Well, I don't believe in God. I don't serve or worship anything. Oh, I beg to differ with you. Uh, because not to choose is to choose. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe you've heard expressions like this. Well, you know what? I'm not even worried about that. You've made a choice. Or, uh, you know, if there's a God in heaven, you know, he's going to forgive me. I just believe he will. Based on what? You've made a choice. You've determined that God will love you no matter what and expect nothing from you. Ah, you've made a choice. Oh, you know, I'm a pretty good person. You know, like I try to follow the golden rule. That's probably going to get me into heaven. You've made a choice to believe that your own righteousness or your own ability to follow or not follow the golden rule is going to be good enough to get you into heaven. You've chosen. Oh, well, there's so many religions. How can you possibly know which one is real? So I kind of like don't really believe any one particular view. Oh, you've made a choice. You've made a choice of what you will, what you will worship. Well, anyway, you know, I kind of believe like all roads lead to God, so it doesn't really matter. You know, you've made a choice. And the choice is yours, and the choice is mine to choose who we will serve this day. It's our choice. Choose God or choose my own wisdom or my own limited understanding or choose uh, some other imperfect substitute. Choose some other God. Maybe it's pleasure or uh, 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 convenience, or maybe it's the God of money, or the God of education, or the God of knowledge, or the God of philosophy, or the God of religious tradition. But there are all kinds of small G-O-D-S. There are all kinds of things that we choose to worship, which our fathers worshipped on the other side of the river and in Egypt, that we all choose to worship, uh, and we have to make a conscious choice as followers of Jesus Christ to choose to worship Him every day. And if you're not a follower, if you've not given your heart and soul and, 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 and your life to Christ, then you're making a choice too. And ultimately, you'll be held accountable for that choice according to the Word of God. See, what you do with Jesus determines where you go for eternity. Because there's 
God only deals with people based on covenant. And you're either in Adam, which means you die, or you're in Christ, which means you have life as your covenant representative. Joshua is winding down his time with his people, and he says this. He centers down on his most important ministry. And he knew that his most important ministry was not to lead Israel into the promised land, but to be the priest of his own family. And he says, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. If nobody else is going to, I'll know about you. But as for me and my house, no, we'll serve the Lord. Oh, I, I, I do, I've been doing a lot of marriage counseling lately, and I ask questions that uh, hopefully will cause a couple to think. And one of the questions I ask is, what's the most, I'll ask the, 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 the groom-to-be, what's the most important thing that you need to give her? Oh, love. Eh, wrong. That is not true. And I remember just even a few weeks ago, like, how can that not be right? I go, because the most important thing you need to do is love Jesus Christ and pursue him. Not her, him. When you do that, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Love him first and foremost. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You do that, and then you will be able to love your wife like Christ loved the church to the best of your ability by his grace that he gives you. Oh, your first responsibility is not to love her, but to love him. Ah. Joshua centers down on his most important ministry. And it's in his house, it turns out. Oh. <laughs> I wrote this down. Parenting is not for cowards. It takes supernatural intervention. <laughs> Verse 19, Joshua makes a statement because the people are like, yes, no, we get it, we'll do this. And, and Joshua in verse 19, before I read it, he's not trying to talk them out of serving the Lord, but he's trying to talk them out of a casual commitment because he's heard these words before from the people. And he says in, in uh, verse 19, Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. How about that, right? All that, and he goes, you can't serve God. And they're like, oh, what? Yes, we can. And he's trying to say something here. Don't serve him casually because you can't serve him casually. You can't. You can't make the, the worship of God or, or living your life for him second or third or fourth. Or, well, you know, first my job and then my family. and then my, No, it's got to be first Christ in my life and first Christ in my marriage and first Christ in my family and first Christ in my job and first Christ in whatever it is. He says, you can't, you can't serve the Lord. Well, he's, he's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He won't forgive your transgressions nor your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. He'll turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. I, this, these are strong words. 
And the people in verse 21, they hear it and they go, no, but we will serve the Lord. <laughs> no, we can do this. And then Joshua says, all right, all right, okay. Verse 23, now therefore he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Ah, ah. Put away those things. I'm going to say it. He's a good preacher. He repeats himself. Repetition is reinforcement. He goes, put away the gods before you. Okay? Do this. And incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And they agree. What are they doing here? They're entering into a covenant. Joshua is saying, I'm not going to be here. I'm not entering into this covenant with you because I'm about to go the way of all the earth. I'm dying. But you serve God. Fear him. Put away the false gods because the land that you're in is seeped with idolatry all over the place. And there's a temptation to begin to worship false gods. God's because God has put it within every human being to worship something and even if you don't believe in God you worship something all of us do it's just a matter of who or what they've entered into a covenant Joshua has clearly explained the the, the preamble the requirements and the people have said, yea, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says, okay. Right on. Verse 26. Then Joshua spoke these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance. Ah, so when the former generation entered into a covenant with Lord through the, with the Lord at Mount Sinai, they said these words. All the Lord has spoken, we will do. Exodus chapter 19, verse 8. A few weeks later, what are they doing? They're worshiping a, a golden calf. Weeks later. Joshua knew it's easy for people to say they will follow the Lord. It's another thing for them to actually do it. His last sermon was designed to Crush their confidence in themselves and their own ability to serve God. They just seem a little overconfident here. They've seen some great things. No one can deny that. They talk a lot about what they're going to do. Versus talking a lot about what God has done and what only God can do. Jesus said to the disciples, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I say all that to say this. It's a good reminder 
that I have no strength in and of myself to battle these spiritual battles. And I must cling to God for strength. So that Israel would not forget, Joshua wrote them down. He wrote down the uh, events of this covenant in the book of the law, and he sets up a large stone as a witness to their agreement, a monument, if you would. So whenever your children, it doesn't say this, but in other monuments, when your children ask, what is, what's the meaning of these stones? Oh, son, oh, daughter, this is where we covenanted to follow God. Joshua the Great was speaking, and he, and, he, and he called us to commitment and to covenant, and he made this stone as a reminder. Um, uh, verse 31 says, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. I'm going to leave that at that for now because we're going to celebrate the book of Joshua next Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, we're going to just skim through the beginning of Judges, and we're going to track the results of, our, of the people of Israel and the promises that they made. I am incapable of worshiping slash serving the Lord because of my sinful nature. Religion is man's attempt to worship based on man's wisdom, not God's covenant. But, everybody say, but, by surrendering to him, confessing my sins, asking for forgiveness, repenting or turning from my sins, I enter into covenant with God Almighty. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and the worship team is not even up here. Sometimes, woo, that was cool. I don't know what that was, but we'll talk later. <laughs> that was interesting. I enter into a covenant with God Almighty. Oh, okay. Just, he promises to forgive me and love me. He allows me by his spirit to worship him and to do his work. And God, who began a good work in me, will be faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. So I stand as a sinner saved by grace, redeemed, born again, and able to have covenant relationship with God through Christ Jesus. And I say amen to that. We started in Genesis, now let's end in Genesis. Genesis chapter 50, verse 24. Then Joseph says to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. What's Joshua saying? Uh, what's Joseph saying? I'm sorry. Joseph is saying, don't bury me here in Egypt. This is not 
seen some great things in Egypt. I became the vice president, saved the nation, saved my own people, but I'm not Egyptian. Bury me in the land that you don't even have yet. Bury, take my bones up from here and bury me in, in, in this, in this uh, land. And so it says in Joshua chapter 24, verse 32, the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem in the plot of ground which Jacob had brought from the sons of Hamor, had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem for 100 pieces of silver and which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. So we started in Genesis with Abraham and we go through this history all the way to Joshua chapter 24 and where do we, where do we end up? Back in Genesis where J Joseph makes, makes Israel promise him that they will bury his bones in this promised land and the fulfillment of this. And this says something about Israel carrying those bones all through the wilderness all these years. But you know what? It says more about God and his faithfulness to do that which he said he would do. And that's exciting. That's exciting. We end on that note. And I, I want to, uh, Josh, if, if you will come on up. Um, uh, Tiffany, if you're out there, would you come on up too? And um, I, 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 I titled this sermon uh, Joshua's final sermon 2.0 because 1.0 was last. Come on up. 1.0 was last week. But I wanted these guys to share something about a transition that's coming in, in their life. And so I thought this would be appropriate for them to just kind of speak a little bit. <laughs> so Pastor Richie was uh, already planning on talking about transitions before uh, we broke the news to him. We, uh, we've just recently accepted a a job in New Mexico as associate pastors. And uh, we will be uh, heading out in, in March. So February 28th will be our, our final Sunday here, worshiping and, and serving alongside you guys. It has, been a, it has been a fun three years, and it has been a, a blessing and a healing time for us, and we're grateful for it. And we are grateful that you guys have, uh, have given us a home during that time. <laughs> applause. <laughs> Watch y'all stand up. You know what? Um, I, 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 I say this all the time that, uh, that we, should be, we should be sending people out and new people coming in and sending people out and new people coming in. But that is not what I meant with these two, okay? They, they totally misinterpreted that the wrong way. Um, and and, they, and they'll, we want, I wanted to let you know as soon as possible so that you could just love on them and it wouldn't be like, Okay, they're leaving. They're, the the, the U-Haul's out front. They're gone. Like, no, what? Just now? I wanted you to love on them and just pray over them and whatever God puts on your heart. But, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, we've been blessed by these guys. Uh, they have brought uh, just an amazing uh, uh, giftedness. And, and uh, our council calls, is it, is it Josh the Magnificent or Josh the Great? I can't They call him Josh the Great. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, and, and Tiffany as well and their family had just been a, um, a, a breath of fresh air for us. And we're so blessed to have them. And um, um, 
you know, when he first told me this real, real briefly, when he first told me that he was uh, he was going, um, he goes, hey, my, my father-in-law has asked me to come and speak at his church in February. And this is like January, right? Uh, he, he's asked me to come and speak. And I go, oh, man, how cool is that? And then I go, he, he can't have you. I go, you, you need to, and I, and I was like laughing and joking, like, hey, they can't have you. I understand Tiffany's their daughter, but they, so they can have her, but they can't have you because they kind of already have her. Anyway, uh, so uh, I was just joking, but I guess maybe I was serious. I don't know, but uh, we're blessed to, to uh, watch them go. So we're going to just pray over them for the next couple weeks. They got a lot to do, and, and then uh, feel free to love on them if God gives you a scripture verse or anything like that. Father, thank you for these two, and and um, Lord, we know that uh, <laughs> moving is so much fun. Transitions uh, really matter. And, and Lord, they began here well, and they're leaving well. And we're thankful for your grace in their lives, and we're thankful for their friendship and their fellowship in Jesus. And so, God, we pray that you would um, continue to uh, open doors and uh, make arrangements and appointments and process things for them and give them endurance right now because it's exciting and it's exhilarating and it's a whole lot of work and as well as the friendships that they've made here that won't be ending but uh just transitioning and so god we pray your blessing upon them and we thank you for them in jesus name amen